This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers in the breaking of all things normal. All right, y'all. Welcome back. I'm stoked. I'm stoked to be here with my new roommate, Justin Nault. Um, I, we hung out last night for quite a bit and it was just like synchronicity after synchronicity after synchronicity, including you have a podcast, you have a dietary supplement brand. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like you have a fitness brand of sorts. I, um, what are all, I know the Clovis culture who I tagged on the Facebook live. Yes. But just like briefly, uh, you know, for going up that elevator and I'm meeting you at that conference. I'm like, what do you do again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the brief, the elevator pitch is, I call it a lifestyle brand. So it, it started with nutritional supplements, but then morphed into me doing nutri- – like I'm a certified nutritional therapist, specialist in sports nutrition, specialist in fitness nutrition. So I've worked with athletes and stuff in the past and still do now, but then found this direction of really helping people with their health and wellness, like just what I consider just like salt of the earth, like average everyday people that are like, I don't want to be a professional athlete. I don't want to be a biohacker. They just want their lives back because health is such an obstacle. So I make custom nutrition plans. And then I have a bunch of private Facebook groups that people communicate in and that has spawned off into these like Marco Polo groups and all these things. So it's a really, really strong community that is the Clovis culture. And then I sell some nutritional supplements. Um, but the recent line of nutrition, nutritional supplements that I've had for the last three years is being phased out. And I'm now, this is what we talked about last night. I'm reintroducing, uh, an electrolyte supplement and a brand new collagen superfood powder. But the first line of supplements I did was called the Perfect Paleo Powder, and that was what really like made Clovis what it is. Okay. I mean, and that's being one of the synchronicities right there off the bat is that you've been in this industry for quite a while. The other roommate that moved in here with you mm-hmm. is as well. He has Beyond Microgreens. Yep. Matt, I guess our mutual connection, he has been as well. And I, here I am. I find myself in the thick of it. Also, I think partly under the influence of my extended environment because I'm – my, the first product for tribe vitamins is going to be bison liver, and I feel like this land is pretty iconic for bison specifically. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, maybe up until maybe the early 1900s, but up until that point, yes. We are walking where the bison walked, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's many things I'm excited about with this. I'm excited, so excited about the audio, too. I feel like the audio it is so – like when I don't say anything, it's so much just nice to hear. I feel like I'm in a sound studio. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I need to up my game now because all my, all my interviews have been Zoom. It's, it's kind of it's like, all right. And that's something we have in, in difference because all my interviews have been in person. Mm-hmm. And then on top of all that you just told us, Matt, and we talked about a little bit yesterday, did I understand, that, did I hear that you've done 300 shows over the last decade in oh, Nashville yeah. because you went to Berkeley School of Music yep, and yep. this offshot to whatever you just did the last decade. Tell me a little bit about that. I want to know about that too. Yeah, yeah. So the, the quick story is I'm, I'm a musician first, right? So I've been a professional musician my whole life. Um, the last 10 years of my career was 300 shows a year. So that's what we were talking about last night, Matt and I, is it was just I was playing all the time. Literally all the time. And Whoa. you've been to... 300 shows a year. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was... Okay. Oh, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 300 shows. I think I'd done 300 shows by the time I was like 18. <laughs> yeah. And the show being, what was the context of the show? What, what are you doing? The so show? mostly the last 10 years has been dueling pianos. So I own a dueling piano company called Rock and Roll Pianos. This is like the all requests. People see like two baby grands on stage and you write down the requests and we play whatever from like the 50s to Lady Gaga and Justin Bieber, like everything, right? But um, prior to that, I went to Berkeley. I started playing music for a living when I was 17. So it was like I, I all through living in Boston just paid my rent playing music. So I'd go home on the weekends, play gigs, go back to Boston during the week and just be in school. So I finished school in three and a half years and then went out to Nashville and Nashville was where everything changed because my bachelor's degree was in songwriting. So I started writing songs and doing these different things and doing some licensing stuff for like film and TV. And I still have some little placements out there where my I get some residuals on my music just being out there. Then I recorded an album and then I landed a reality TV show in 2012 that was called The Big Time on ABC. That was like this big music contest. So I did that and then that spawned into the YouTube channel. And then that was this all music YouTube channel. That was like my music videos, cover videos, a lot of comedy stuff because I really like comedy. And then from there... Um, along that whole line, I'd been like obsessed with fitness. I was just a fitness guy. 
It's like I was a boxer and power lifter and did CrossFit and all these things, but I was a fat kid growing up. So I had like all this tremendous body dysmorphia. And then my job is to be on stage and be in videos and all these things. So it was like I was taking all the awful supplements, doing all the awful workouts, just like punishing my body and then drinking like a fish because I was like living the rock star life, you know. And then around the time that I found, I found the paleo diet. That's what really changed things for me. I found like Rob Wolf, Abel James, Chris Kresser, all these guys. And I did my first paleo reset and started losing body fat pretty effortlessly. So I was like, oh, maybe there's something to this nutrition thing. So I started studying nutrition and I got enough into nutrition. I cared enough about it where I became a nutritional therapist. And this was just like at the time I was playing two gigs a week at that time when, when Clovis started up and I was doing like all my bills were paid because I'd done pretty well at that point. So I was just spending all my spare time like researching nutrition. I was like, this is crazy. And then where Clovis really ramped up and became this thing where I started coaching people and all that was my brother had his daughter Savannah and Savannah was born having 300 plus seizures a day. So Did you say 300, 300. Yeah. yeah. So these were birth suppression seizures and, um, she was considered terminally ill. So her life expectancy was less than three years. So we spent several months in the pediatric ICU and they're running all these tests on her and doing all this crazy stuff. And it looked pretty dismal. It's, it still looks – she's alive today, actually. She's six years old now. But pretty quickly, she was put on a feeding tube. All this stuff hooked up to her head. And, like, it was just crazy. I like, couldn't eat, couldn't anything. So we got introduced to the Charlie Foundation. And the Charlie Foundation treats epileptic children with the ketogenic diet. That's, like, what keto is for. In the medical realm, keto is for seizures, really. It's, like, treating epileptic seizures. Same with CBD in a way. Yes, Exactly. Interestingly enough, but please continue. Yeah, yeah. So Savannah ended up on CBD as well, interestingly enough. They were like throwing everything, like through the kitchen sink at her. But she didn't turn out to be epileptic. She has something called KCNQ2, which is a certain protein malfunction in the brain. She's one of, I think, 96 living cases. Like it's really, really rare. So what happened with Clovis and all these superfoods is they're putting this, this formula called KetoCal KetoCal is a ketogenic baby formula. I believe Gerber makes it. And it's subsidized like by our tax dollars and everything. It's in every single pediatric ICU in the whole country. And this is what they give to children with seizures. Now, depending on what you know about nutrition and everything, I know you're into this stuff. I just happen to take KetoCal and look at the ingredients. So in the medical realm, details don't matter. It's just like, you know, is it high fat? Is it low carb? It's keto. But the high fat was all hydrogenated vegetable oils. So it's like essentially a carcinogen in a can. And then the remaining ingredients are like artificial sweeteners. So you're like, well, why do you need artificial sweeteners? It's going in a feeding tube. It doesn't even touch taste buds, right? So I point this out to the neurologist and the neurologist looks at me and he goes, huh, I never thought to check that. And that was when like my whole world just like evaporated before my eyes. I was like, this is a, like a week's old child. And you're putting this in the, their body. Like, I don't think the doctor was a bad guy. He was just trained to do it that way. So I literally went home, food, food dehydrators, processors. I used my oven. I had Tupperware all over the place. I went through Chris Kresser's books, went through Rob Wolf's books. I was like, what are like the paleo superfoods? And I started dehydrating them and blending them with like coconut milk and avocados and cacao and stevia and all this stuff. So eventually I just came up with this formula, hired a food and beveraging consulting company. And then started selling it. And that was the perfect paleo powder. That perfect paleo powder came like before Clovis. It was like I was just selling it on Amazon. Wow. Uh, yeah. What a wake up call. The thing with the neurosurgeon. I can relate to that. I When I, when I you know, I went to Emory. I did uh, Emory in Georgia. And it's like most. Is there a hospital? There's a hospital there. It's like right in the university. Mm-hmm. And um, they like serve fast food at hospitals. Oh, yeah. It's awful. So, <laughs> I think I had like a I took the MCATs and everything, but I, I realized like I don't think I want to be a part of that system. It just seems just the fact that they're like what you're saying that why are there these added ingredients? <laughs> yeah, into this I in the IV a fluid that was going through like an IV. No, this is a G tube. Okay, like a hole in her tube. stomach. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Why? 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 And why is McDonald's in the wet lobby? Yeah. Oh, exactly. I don't know if there's a McDonald's at Emory, but there was other foods that I'm just like, and it's the same thing of going to pharmacies. You know, my dad's been a pharmacist for 40 years or so. He used to own some of his own, but like going to Walgreens, what they sell at the checkout counter 
is pretty much what would get someone to get on pharmaceuticals. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. it's just like, oh, man. Mm. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing something about it. Well, that's – you realize the system, you know? And luckily, like, I, I – I knew just enough about nutrition at that point, like to be a pain in the ass to the doctor, you know? So I went back to the neurologist and like had this formula and we actually did end up giving like what I was making in my kitchen. We were able to give it to her in her G tube. And the, the neurologist was just like, this is incredible. Like it's got a ton of micronutrients. It's like all whole foods, nothing artificial in it, you know? And then at the time I was training CrossFit. So I saw this business opportunity and I was like, well, I'm going to sell it as a post-workout too. So I kind of tweaked it, made the perfect paleo powder, which was really sold as a, as a post-workout to CrossFitters. And then uh, the rest is history. That that eventually morphed into I had seven skews of paleo powder, like digestion rest, fat loss, pre-workout, all this stuff. And now I'm consolidating, going back to just one superfood powder because seven was way too many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I definitely want to talk about like the product that you're releasing and the product I'm releasing and the intentions and like maybe the potential collaborations around that. And mm. I want to make sure because you planted the seed as well. Um, one of the conversations we got into last night was like the concept of orthorexia. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we maybe share, we may share, but from like different paths. Because at one point, as many of y'all know, whoever's watching this video, I don't know who all is on here, but please ask some questions. If you'd like to be included, I'll uh, get the camera up here in a bit and see what questions y'all may have asked. Um, but from the Rob Ross days, for about 10 years now, people know who have been following me online about the story of me going raw vegan pretty hardcore like evangelical raw vegan mm -hmm. with my two brothers and getting great results uh on our bodies i would say for about six months for yeah. our like publicity probably for a few years <laughs> sure. it was kind of got mixed up because we were getting so affirmed by such this kind of uh tight-knit culture i would call it group think at this point mm -hmm. um Oh, we were being so affirmed because, you know, my youngest brother is like a national, he's like swimming at the national championships and he's broke the state record in Georgia. And they're like, look, it's with raw vegan doing all this crazy stuff. Mm. And we were all fit doing fun stuff together. And it was just like very inspirational for anyone. But we just sure. so happened to be evangelizing about a raw vegan diet. Yeah. And then there was a time, and that's what I'm saying. It may have taken us a while to catch on to, but it just wasn't working for our bodies anymore. Mm -hmm. But it was working for so many other people to affirm us. Yeah, yeah. To be liked and to be celebrated. And we got kind of in the slippery slope of where like raw vegan diet became a very religious thing. So much so that I think we, there was like, we may have been cleansing our health away. It was just mm. like, it was, it was such a neurotic thing that it was no long, there was diminishing returns at this point. Yeah. And then literally diminishing returns because I told you about me getting my testosterone checked. Right, right. And it was below 89, I was like 89 and the doctor was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm gonna we need to prescribe you testosterone. Like, what's going on with you? I'm like, nah, <laughs> I'm going to eat some fish. <laughs> I ate some fish and I was like, whoa, yeah. I woke up with morning wood for the first time in <laughs> such a long time. I shared that story at a raw vegan fruit festival. Oh, and wow. I, I told them, like, I asked everyone about this. I was like, I woke up in the morning. I forgot. That what, it's yeah. like, that fish changed me. What do y'all think about this? Right, right. And then I don't think people liked me at that festival I don't think too so. much as, as much anymore. And then, I, and then I felt like I was hearing a version, your version of this. Yeah. So I'd like for people to hear maybe your version of how maybe it was different paths, but we may have kind of slipped into the similar potholes sure sure i mean the crazy thing is we talked about this briefly last night but it can happen with absolutely anything any diet that has a diet that has a name you can run into this issue but not even that because the evidence-based people are you know they're the calorie gods it's like calories in calories out that's it right so it's just caloric deficit caloric deficit caloric deficit and that becomes your bible and paleo like if so my journey started with paleo but before that like I was a boxer in college. I trained jujitsu. I trained powerlifting, all these things. And I was doing a lot of bodybuilding stuff, but I was like the guy that had five Tupperware containers of brown rice and tilapia like five times a day, right? But I was like 28% body fat, dude. Like I could not get the body fat down because the nutrition was just awful. So when I found paleo, now keep in mind, like those are my rock star years, right? So it's, it's also like I'm eating five Tupperwares of brown rice and tilapia, and then like that night before I get on stage, I have four shots of Jaeger and three Miller Lights, and then I drink the rest of the night. Like it's just, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm working out and I'm eating brown rice during the day. How come I can't lose this fat? You know, like it's just crazy what you convince yourself of. But after paleo, you know, a couple of years into paleo, I became quite evangelical paleo, and it was like anything that is processed food will kill you. 
you know, he's just, it's awful. And then paleo turned into keto. But for me, it was always like whole food keto. I never did like dirty keto. So then I did keto and got some good results in keto. But then my understanding of like I had studied biochemistry and advanced human metabolism and all these things. So then I started understanding like the energy theories of calories in, calories out, everything. So my caloric content started going down as well. And then I found carnivore. And I've been what I would call at least carnivore-ish for like the last year. So, I mean, maybe maybe more than a year now. Like, because right as the pandemic came up, I was on like a year of being carnivore. And this is because Dr. Paul Saladino came on my show like a year before. And I met him and I, I love the dude. He's become a great friend. He's awesome. He's, I think he's doing great work. Um, it worked really well for him. But a year later, I found myself just literally thinking that if I ate a head of broccoli... I was going to die somehow because it's all like carnivore is all about like plant toxins, plant toxins, every, there's plant toxins and everything. Plants don't want to be eaten. They want to kill you. These are their weapons. These are your defense mechanism. You think about the verbiage of that. They talk to you like plants are terrorists. Like these, they have these secret weapons that are going to explode your guts and inflame you and kill you. So I stopped eating vegetables altogether. And then when the, when the pandemic hit, so me, I'm, I like have a, I've had this body dysmorphia issue my whole life. So the pandemic hit, I have a full gym in my house, like a dope-ass gym, like infrared sauna, Carol bike, like full squat rack, everything you could imagine is in my house. So I just started training, eating pure carnivore. But what happened was the satiety of that, I never felt hungry. I wasn't even going outside, you know? So I'm just like training and working on Clovis. And I was eating like probably 16, 1,700 calories a day, probably burning 27, 2,800 calories a day. So I have these new functional medicine doctors. Now I'm trying to undo all that. I ended up where you were. My testosterone was like 200. It wasn't that, that 89 is crazy. But like my testosterone was two something. My, my T3 was tanked. Like my thyroid was not working because I'm essentially, I'm at, I'm at a thousand calorie deficit every day between what I'm burning and what I'm eating. My organs are shutting down literally. And then I'm on a carnivore diet. So my satiety is I feel so full that I'm not eating anything. So I'm eating 1600, 1700 calories. And I just got it in my head that I was doing everything right. And all of a sudden, like now I'm not as lean as I want to be right now. Cause this was around July where I was like, this is not working for me at all. And I'm like pinching belly fat. I'm like, what is happening? And it was cause my hormones were all fucked up. So I finally hired this, this new team of functional medicine doctors. These guys are called wild health we did the full gamut of blood work. They sent me to a, a resting metabolic rate test. They put the mask on me and they're like, you're burning 1,975 calories at rest, like laying here in a bed. And then you're going home and you're training 90 minutes a day and you're eating 1,600 calories. Like you're literally killing yourself. Your body will shut down. But it was this thing where I, I had it in my head that like I couldn't eat fruit. I couldn't eat white rice. I couldn't eat any kind of vegetables, even though like I felt like I needed energy and I really didn't feel well. I couldn't eat an avocado for extra fat because the avocado has plant toxins in it, you know? We've done this thing with diet where we went from like, I honestly think it's okay to demonize processed foods to a certain extent. Anything with these hydrogenated vegetable oils, refined processed carbohydrates, the sad diet. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know? I, I definitely, the oils. The oils. After all oh. my studies, like the oils. That's it, man. Man, be very suspicious of oils. I totally I, – I think that's like the holy grail. The, what we have discovered about oils is like if we could remove – I would rather remove – like people talk about sugar. Sugar is not inherently bad. It's just glucose, right? But that glucose always comes with these oils. These oils are in everything. They're in all these processed foods. So that's just all to say that I'm, I'm down for like demonizing processed hyperpalatable foods that were like made in a lab and come in a box. But when it comes to whole foods, man, we're sitting here saying like blueberries and broccoli and avocado are going to kill you. You you just get to this point where I think it's it's borderline mental illness. Well, and it's so funny because I can so relate, but they would never say, you know, that was the holy grail of what us as raw vegans could yeah. eat. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Exactly. Right. So it's and then they would think like meat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've I have had people at our retreats. I don't know how many, but I'm just going to tell one, like, uh, avatar story. I'm not sure. mentioning any names. But, like, people that are probably, like, pretty influential raw vegans confessing of eating meat in the closet, like, literally gorging on meat in the closet because I think their bodies were probably, like, just took over their mind, <laughs> like, give me cholesterol or something. And, but then they, and they would eat so much. 
and I can kind of relate to this too because when I had cheat meals, I would eat so much meat that I would learn to hate it. So it would yes. like it would kind of perpetuate this path that I'm on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, see what happens when I eat meat? I feel so bad. Yeah. But I would never eat like meat like that right now. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, would eat, I was so starving for whatever was in there. I was like, eating like 20 plus ounces of just like flesh. <laughs> and my body wasn't prepared to digest that. No, so I would learn how to hate that. Yeah. And I wasn't the, and I, then I met people that would confess to this. And I'm like, they, yeah. they were not even telling people about it. They were confessing to it. Like that. They would do this in their closet, puke it up, and then go oh, back to being no. vegan in a wow. way. And um, and now I'm kind of thinking about it from the other perspective. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's it's really like, in my opinion, it's really about like the virus of the mind that can infiltrate any 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 thought. Yeah. Any collective thought. Well, dude, I mean, where I'm at with it, what I what I've started to figure out through like personal development, and spirituality stuff, right, is if you look at it's people will try to, they always try to talk shit to me about it when I say this, but I'm just like, listen, it's the easiest time in human history to survive, to simply survive. Like if you want a phone, someone's probably going to give you a phone. If you want a roof over your head, you can get a roof over your head. If you want food, you have access to food. It's not the best food in the world, but you pretty much have access to it if you're living here in America, right? So it's like this easiest time to be alive, but then what's through the roof? Like depression, suicide, all these things. What's happening is we don't teach children to live a life of purpose. We usually teach them to chase money. So you're going to be an accountant or a lawyer or whatever, whatever just gets you the, the job and the 401k and the white picket fence. You got to go for that. That there's not a lot of purpose in that. So what I'm finding in my coaching, so I've worked with 2,200 clients literally in the last 18 months. And these are direct people that get custom nutrition plans from me or they've, they've worked with me. I do one-on-one coaching and all these different things. And I just find the same patterns over and over. They're usually in an unhealthy relationship. They usually have a job that they don't like. They're usually struggling. Their children's health is really poor and they feel guilty because their kids are little sugar burners or like my kid is 13 years old and he weighs 200 pounds and they feel guilty. But it's all this thing where like the, the primary missing piece there is purpose. People try to say like my kids are my purpose or my husband's my purpose or this or that. I'm like you need to find purpose for yourself. You need to live with the full cup. So – it's the same way cults work. It's how Scientology works, man. If I come to you and you're depressed and you have no purpose and I give you purpose and you become Tom Cruise, the ultimate Scientologist, why did you become the ultimate Scientologist? Because you now have purpose. What people are doing online and marketers prey on this for sure is they're labeling all the diets because then you get to identify as something that gives you purpose. You were a raw vegan, right? I'm a paleo guy. Saladino's the carnivore, right? So we have these people that their purpose becomes the food that they put in their mouth, which means when someone challenges that, you're now challenging their identity and their purpose. This is like trying to tell a Christian that Jesus Christ didn't walk the earth. You're going to have a real hard time in that conversation if you're dealing with an evangelical Christian. Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, can relate. Yeah, that, that was basically, I told you that last night when I saw, because we immediately... When Nathaniel, my youngest brother, the swimmer, was like, I got it. I'm going to start with eggs, y'all. I'm going to start eating eggs. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, bro, do you know? Because our business was, like, booming. It was like everything was just growing so fast. I'm like, yeah. you you know, like, we're the raw bros. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'll eat it raw. That's what he said. He So he ate the, he ate the egg raw. Wow. And um, then <laughs> – that was just like the t- then it was a cascade effect. He ended up he ended up drinking five gallons, no no six gallons, five to six gallons on average of raw milk from this like local epic farm, epic, a week for like a maybe I don't know how long. He just became a beast of a swimmer. He just became like a gladiator. After that, that's why he just turned, he tried different things, but after he recovered from, that's how he recovered from the raw vegan diet, and then basically became one of the nation's best swimmers really quickly, and then just, that, he threw that away, he quit Mm. that real quick. Yeah, yeah. He basically started asking, uh, like, the purpose of swimming across, like, swimming 50 yards faster than anyone else, (laughs) and that was kind of like a career-ending question, actually. Uh, Yeah, It's like, oh, Oh, now he's like, he's becoming philosophical, that's not going to (laughs) work. That's not going to work for him to, like, train 10 hours a day to swim, like, potentially, uh, like, hopefully, like, a hundred millionth of a potential smaller second than the guy next to him that's doing the same thing. 
And, uh, yeah, I guess I just tell that story because I imagine you can relate in a way. And it's just fun to talk about someone that can resonate. And and I'm resonating resonating with what you're talking about, but it's just a different shade of it. Yeah. And I also wanted to break down while you're here because it seems like you're pretty well-versed in all this. You mentioned paleo. You mentioned primal. You mentioned keto. You mentioned carnivore. Mm-hmm. Like for someone that, uh, like you know, Matt, our <laughs> the the king of the house here, who just has his mom in the house. I don't think she would know anything of that. So I'm sure, just sure. trying to figure out, like, for someone that doesn't know any of what that means. Yeah. What are the differences? How would you classify those? Dude, that's the thing. Is they're so nuanced. Is it's really what it gets down to when you're talking about paleo, keto carnivore well i mean carnivore is probably the most extreme because there's just no plants like you if you're a real carnivore this is the thing like if you drink black coffee you're not carnivore you're you're now an omnivore it doesn't work that way okay so the carnivore so i never got so i, I told you i gave up on the whole dietary dogma thing <laughs> yeah, yeah, years yeah. ago but so is that the carnivore diet there's nothing it's no it has to come from animals oh, I like didn't no know that. plant stuff I didn't at all know that. <laughs> and some people even argue over butter and like raw milk you know they're yeah. like they'll just do meat and organs that's it Right. So even like coffee, tea, all these things, they come from plants. They're not technically carnivore. So like in, in nature, we have an obligate carnivore. An obligate carnivore is an animal that has to eat meat to survive where we are like, um, I can't remember the, the name that they say for it, but like we decide to be carnivores, mm-hmm. you know, we're technically omnivores. So that one's kind of off in the, in the weeds, but really <clears throat> paleo versus keto differ in their, and this is where it gets tricky. There's Dirty keto, which I call internet keto, which is a fucking dumpster fire. There's internet keto, and then there's whole food keto. So I'm actually cool. Like a lot of people will do like paleo keto. They combine the two things. All paleo means, and it got a ton of nonsense because people said, well, cavemen died when they were 30, and people, once they attached this caveman diet to it, people were able to like obliterate it and say, that doesn't make any sense, and blah, 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 blah. So I had these t shirts with Clovis that say, eat whole foods, change the world. The best way to describe paleo is if you are walking through the woods, you are never going to stumble upon a bagel tree. This doesn't happen. There's no bagel tree. There's no white bread tree. It's just not there, right? So there's not even any like white rice that you're going to stumble upon in nature. So paleo just takes this approach of does it exist in nature? If so, it's paleo. Generally speaking, that's like the easy way to look at it. So I tend to live my life by that. The foundation of everything I do is paleo. It's like if it exists in nature, it's probably pretty safe. Then we can get into nuance and things like that. For most people, I'm trying to get them 95% of the way there. That's The top 5% is like the athletes and the people who want to biohack and tweak and get to this optimized level. Whereas keto is literally just low carb. So you're taking the macros and you're saying you're going to eat less than 10, sometimes 5% of your total daily calories are going to come from net carbs. And then your fat is going to be somewhere like 70 to 90%. Like the 90% fat is more like therapeutic for ketosis. Like you want to be in deep ketosis for seizures or things like that, you know. But then internet keto came along. And it's the same thing that happened with paleo. So paleo was amazing. And then all of a sudden every cookbook you saw was like paleo desserts. We use agave syrup and maple syrup and honey and all this. And you're eating 300 grams of carbohydrates because paleo doesn't track any macros. So you just like eat when you're hungry. But now you have these people where they're eating when they're hungry, but they're they're making the same standard American diet foods they used to eat. They're making paleo versions of them with honey instead of sugar. And you're like, this is pure sugar. This, on a biochemical level, this is, there's no difference here. So paleo got bastardized. This has now happened with keto. So dirty keto. How many how many keto friendly bars and keto friendly protein shakes do you see? And they're loaded with like allulose and inulin and all this fiber and crazy stuff. So we're creating keto junk food. And now people say like, oh, here's a, here's a Pinterest post on how to order keto at Wendy's. Here's a, a post on how to order keto at Starbucks. And like you're eating garbage processed foods. The only measure that you're using is, is it low in carbohydrates? Must be keto friendly. I cannot stand eat internet keto. It's like one of the most awful things ever. So that's really the differences there. And then Carnivore is obviously vegan reversed. Like vegans will not eat anything that comes from an animal. Most vegans won't even eat honey. And then you have carnivore where like they won't even drink black coffee. And here we are. Here we <laughs> and, are. and like I've met I, – let me, let me be clear on this. I've met like probably people on the carnivore diet, people on the raw primal diet, people on the paleo diet, people on the vegan diet, people on the sad diet, people on the what's diet. <laughs> and they're all so they, – I've met some of them. They're all so convincing. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. 
And the problem is, here's the thing. Remember when you said you guys had some results for like six months? Yeah, and we then, had great, man. Really, it was epic. I mean, but we came from the the standard. American. I was aiming. I was on the protein diet to throw a faster fastball. So eating like KFC popcorn chicken things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like thirty. How many ever grams? Is it cans of tuna? Whatever. Like yeah. Just loading protein and and Oreos and mil- and pasteurized milk and all the crazy. Just yeah. purely because of uh, whatever. Probably the. Whatever was marketed the most that day, it was like creatine and protein. That's it, man. That was all that mattered. Yeah. I thought. I thought. Yeah, and I think about it, too. It's like I was basically on the Jägermeister and Miller Lite. (laughs) But I, like, thought I was, I'm, like, eating brown rice and tilapia and working out every day, right? So our brains play these tricks on us. But you get that amazing results for six months. Then your business blows up. So you're in this for years now. And what do you keep seeing? You keep seeing picture after picture of other people who are in their first six months. And they're getting incredible results. Because they're coming from the standard diet. So your brain's going, no, this has to work. This works for them. It, it, why isn't it not working for me? Then you want a vegan harder. I wanted to carnivore harder. People want a paleo harder, keto harder. Because they keep seeing confirmation bias on Instagram. But that's not you. Like if you're two years into being a vegan and you're looking at someone who's on day 14 of being a vegan and they just dropped 13 pounds. You're like, how come I can't lose this last five pounds, man? That person just lost 13 pounds. It's this endless confirmation bias. It's the same thing with politics. People are in echo chambers with politics and COVID and masks and no masks, right? You keep seeing these things over and over and over. So that's where I got to. I kept seeing all these shred city carnivores, dude. Like Paul Saladino's a good friend of mine, shredded. Carnivore Kurt is another guy on Instagram, shredded. And I'm just like, damn, I've never been that shredded. I got I to gotta carnivore harder. you know. But it's not working for me. I'm gaining belly fat. So I'm like, something is wrong here. But it's just that endless confirmation bias. So it's like, and what I've found here too is outside of the purpose thing, you'll, you probably get this from your followers and stuff. It's like, man, for most people, most people don't want to be Ben Greenfield. They don't want to be Rich Froning. They don't want to be The Rock. They don't want that. They just want to be happy. And for them, health is an obstacle. It's not a goal. Health is in the way. Like health is here and everything they want to do with their life is over here, but they keep running into this roadblock of autoimmune conditions, type 2 diabetes, all this stuff. So if someone's listening to this and they're suffering from an autoimmune condition, trying something like autoimmune paleo or even carnivore or even doing a bone broth fast for 14 days, some of these measures that really work wonders for healing gut health and all that stuff, it's worth trying for sure. But Don't become evangelical about it. Like fix your health and just stay there. Just maintain because it becomes this thing. I have people that get to their goal weight and then they call me up and they're like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do you mean? Like, I've been trying to get to this goal weight for three decades and now I'm at the goal weight and now I'm like afraid. And they will often self-sabotage because their only mission in life for the last 30 years was to get to that goal weight and they never thought it was possible. Which is so funny because I, I I did something recently with one of my one of my friends and I gave like a consultation about health mm-hmm. and, and diet and fitness. Sure. And I explicitly remember like explaining to him about like yeah you know it, it might be better for what your goals are to actually be heavier because you might have more muscle. Mm, sure. So and like don't make this a weight game. Yeah. You're like what a silly thing to do. <laughs> yes. But. Uh, yeah, and then maybe it would be a very important thing for someone to do at the right time. Yeah, at the right time. But when it becomes a lifelong goal, yeah, that's how I think the raw vegan diet, like what I did, like learning how to eat from the tree, mm-hmm. basically, and the earth, and like coconut water and or fasting. Like I really always think the diet, all of these healing modalities are pretty much dancing around the uh, reality check of fasting. Yeah, yeah. But that's not an easy pill to swallow. Sure. I haven't fasted in a while, and I used to. I've had hard times fasting, and I think it's not. It's just not as glamorous. But to me, that's the the ultimate for most people, Mm -hmm. and arguably dangerous for some people. Oh, for sure. That's where it's like a tricky. That's why it's also tricky to be like an overarching prescription. Yeah, well, dude. So here's the thing. I'll give you a little bit of nutrition science here because this drives me crazy, right? I've done a lot of fasting. I've done a lot of intermittent fasting. I think all humans should probably do what's called a circadian fast, which is just don't eat for 12 hours and then eat in a 12-hour window. That's pretty safe. You, 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 know? you mean like consistently? You consistently. think a pretty consistent. Yeah, like yeah. Our, our... Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, uh, <laughs> the three-six-meal-day the three, meal day, stack-all-day yeah, thing is all like there's so many wild uh, maps out there. Yeah. So, but go ahead. Go ahead. No, this, it's like the 12-hour 12 12 thing. Yeah. Dude, they when our... 
ancestors were in caves. They probably weren't eating when it was dark out. And in the morning, they had to go out and gather food, and then they'd eat. Like, so it makes the circadian rhythm thing makes a lot of sense, and it's good for your sleep quality. But what happens is fasting and caloric restriction. Like there's guys like David Sinclair who came out with this book, Lifespan, and he talks about how like fasting and caloric restriction will increase your lifespan and all these things. It's all this. All the longevity people are pushing fasting like crazy. Now, the reason for that is because everyone's eating a shit diet. That's why. So I've dug deep into the studies on this stuff, like literally gone into the studies and seen how they figured these things out, went through David Sinclair's citations and all this stuff, the studies he's done on fruit flies and worms and mice. There's a concept called a species-appropriate diet. Standard American diet, for instance, not a species-appropriate diet. If we go in nature, there's no bagel tree, right? So we have to make sure we eat a species-appropriate diet. In lab settings, this is well-documented, by the way, that when they use mice and worms and all these things, they use chow. So when they use lab mice, they use something called rodent chow. All the studies do. So again, it's like my niece's formula. It's high carb, low fat. That's all that matters. So if they test a keto diet on a mouse, they're going to pump them full of hydrogenated vegetable oils. Then they're going to give them very low carbohydrate. That low carbohydrate is cellulose. It's basically cardboard. These animals can't digest it, literally. So we have these longevity studies where you say, I'll use people numbers for calories, right? Mouse A eats 2,000 calories a day. Mouse B eats 1,500 calories a day. Mouse B lives 30% longer. And then the headlines say caloric restriction improves lifespan. Fasting improves lifespan, all this stuff. All that they proved was if you eat more poison, you will die faster. That's it. They didn't go in nature and, and let these animals run wild and collect their species-appropriate diet. And by the way, they did this with monkeys. They did caloric restriction studies with monkeys and fed one group their normal monkey chow and did it with another group with a species-appropriate diet. Zero benefit to caloric restriction. None. For longevity. You're like, wait, what? So then you look at all the nutrition science. You go, this is all nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. And you have David Sinclair, the longevity expert to end all longevity experts. He's on a statin drug. He doesn't exercise. He drinks beer most days. And he writes about it in his book. He's, this is my routine. And I take metformin and I take resveratrol and I don't exercise and I take a statin drug. And you're like, what? What are you doing, man? You know? Yeah, I think what I'm, what I'm hearing is like the reminder to myself and the reminder to everyone. And I'd love to know what you think about this. But that raw vegan diet I ate for about six or seven months. And what I did, the whole thing I did, I trust it was the best thing for me ever. Sure. Um, that's actually probably my number one health prescription for myself is trusting in what I'm doing. Yes. So that's number one. Like arguably, I mean, we could dissect that even more. <laughs> Where I'm going with that <laughs> is that like that's – that's my diet. My diet is like what I am consuming. I am having faith that it's the best for me. And that in order for me to have that faith, I'm quite aware of what I'm consuming. It took me a lot of research to become that aware of what I'm consuming. Of course. And it's turned into pretty much like a seasonal whole food. I, I mean, I, our, and actually I, I cheat. I use the cheat codes of supplements. A lot of cool yeah, superfood supplements man. and bone broths. You showed me a ton of cool stuff last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, like I like to use, I mean, I think you mentioned it earlier, but we're, we're living in like profound times that I can literally click a button and then I can receive like a concoction <laughs> of like 20 different superfoods from 20 different like cultures and 20 different places on earth directly into my mailbox and I just put it in water and I'm like, woo! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to Planet Earth 2020. And I know there's other crazy stuff going on too, but let's not forget to celebrate that. Of course. You have to, man. That's pretty cool. And then think about it too. Like your raw vegan thing was great for you. My first paleo reset was great for me. Me trying carnivore was great for me. I've eaten vegan. I've eaten plant-based. I've eaten standard American diet. I've done paleo. I've done strict, strict keto. I stayed in nutritional ketosis by blood draw, making sure I was in nutritional ketosis for 12 weeks straight. Never came out of ketosis. You know, so it's like anybody watching this or listening to this, go do the things. There's a concept I have called wisdom. I always say, talk about wisdom through experience. I don't give a shit about your credentials, PhD man. I don't care. You know, like I've had PhDs come down, like Lane Norton attacked me once and called me a quack and all this stuff. And I was like, bro, let's just line up my clients next to your clients. Let's see how we did here. I don't care that you have a PhD. I really don't care. I remember interviewing uh, Paul Check and he was like, PhD piled high, piled high and deeper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, and the same thing. He would, the same, and which I totally resonate with, which it sounds like you do. Like, 
am I going if I'm going to get medical advice from Paul Check would say like he would say tell the doctor to take their shirt off <laughs> in our videos <laughs> that's, that's, it, that's what man. he says like make sure you take their shirt off and just look at their body before you yeah. take any body advice from them 100% I remember when I was training CrossFit I was like really obsessed with my powerlifting numbers and I was reading a book by Pavel Satsalin about uh, Simple and Sinister about kettlebell training and he said um, I would never go to a chiropractor who deadlifts less than I do he doesn't understand my needs. That's great. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's brilliant, man. So, and that's the thing is like wisdom through experience. It comes down to you did a vegan, raw vegan diet for six months and the first six months were great. I know you did it for longer than that, but like, dude, I could decide tomorrow. I'm just going to eat 10 Twinkies a day. That's it. And water. And I'm going to do this for the next six months. The crazy thing about these wild adaptation meat suits that we live in is I could do that for six months. I'm likely not going to do any permanent damage. I could, at the end of six months, I could get back on a whole food, nutrient-dense diet. I can reverse the insulin resistance. I can do all those things. So we're little adaptation machines. So go out there and try it. The big issue I, that I think we're having is like we have people who have never tried keto shitting on keto. And people who have never been vegans, carnivores are shitting on vegans. Those carnivores have never eaten a vegan diet. I know they haven't. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, why, why do we do this? Or the vegan people that would be like, I'm going to switch to an all-meat diet. If you can remove the dogma, and this is no longer a religion or your identity or your purpose, just explore. Whether you like it or not, we live in the most abundant time of all of, of ever, and we can walk into a grocery store, and we can have an all-meat diet, or we can have an all-fast-food diet, or an all-vegan diet. Just take advantage of it and explore. Just Find out for yourself. Find out what works for you. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep preaching on the preaching. <laughs> it's like, man, I cannot believe how many people I know that get worked up about their diet. What like if there's a first world problem, it's that. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. Like eat. Yeah, yeah. Please, please, please. I, that, that's why I remove myself from it. But it's just so refreshing to hear someone else that like talk about it from that perspective. And then, and, and to make it fun, I think it's a fun experiment. It's so it fun. It's so dude. fun. It's so fun. It's not something that, that yeah, it gets a sli- it gets slippery. I remember there, I got so slippery with the raw vegan diet because we were literally just eating <laughs> the flesh of these ovaries of these trees that were supposed <laughs> to fall. That that was it. Yeah, and yeah. and what I do, what I will never, well, I I am forever grateful for the raw vegan diet. I have a love for fruit. Like if I can find a good piece of fruit or a good tree that's just like orgasming, like a good plum tree in Oregon at the right time of the year and it's yeah, just like dude. spilling sugar balls, <laughs> I've gor- I actually gorged on that one of those before Davina was made. Really? Because I found this tree and I was just like, oh my God. Like The window of eating this many plums this good is very short. <laughs> yeah. So I ate so many of those and I think it jacked up some sort of thing in my body. Sure, and sure. I, mean, I don't know, Davina was made the next day. And, what, and, and, you know, we understood, but when we were ever having sex, something could happen and we were ready for that. But it yeah. wasn't like I'm trying to make a baby that day. Right, right. It was a plum tree. <laughs> it was a plum, a plum tree, tree in a sound studio <laughs> on a cannabis farm <laughs> right outside of Portland. They're just like, the, at the time, Davina, the Divine Victory wanted to show up. Wow. That you'll get to meet Monday. So I'm stoked for that. That's amazing, dude. Uh, we're like we're 42 minutes in. I'm gonna probably check the phone here real quick because I want to know if anyone has any questions. Someone's talking to you over there. Dude. Yeah, I'm gonna check that. Is there anything that you want to make sure that we um, talk about before I we go on to the next session that's off the air? Yeah, what I would say too, man, is is the biggest thing I think people should do is figure out why they want to get healthy. Because for me, it was all vanity. It was all athletic performance, and then my niece happened. And I don't think I could have studied biochemistry books six hours a day if my niece had not been born. So there's, there was a shift in my mindset that was, went from nutrition for vanity, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, bigger muscles, whatever, to nutrition for purpose. So you got to figure out nutrition shouldn't be your purpose. I want to be very clear about that. Nutrition for purpose. Why do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be a CrossFit athlete? Do you want to be able to play tag with your grandkids on the weekend and not get winded? Do you want to not die before your parents? When you start digging into those things, what makes people really want to be healthy? When you start asking those questions, nutrition with purpose is always going to be exponentially more powerful than nutrition for vanity. Always. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good way to put it.
Yeah, and the Breaking Rome book, it's funny, it's come up, how much diet stuff has come up lately with people reaching out to me. I have a chapter called Everything is Natural, and that's my, like, take on That's great. I love Dietary advice. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked, I, I kind of alluded to it a little bit. And thank you so much. I mean, I'm stoked to get to know you more. Yeah, I mean, come on. Come on, Daniel. Come on, we'll celebrate out loud for whoever's listening to this. Like, look who, look who just shows up as a roommate here at 44 minutes and 44 seconds right now. Boom. Boom. That was right there. All right, let me check this uh, Facebook feed real quick. <laughs> And see if anyone has anything they would like to contribute to this conversation. Let's I know see it. it would probably be random to tune into a 44-minute conversation, but it looks like we might. Okay, cool. Hey, Farzad, man, Curly Sue, Nadim, John Rice, what's up, y'all? Angelica, all right, that's all right. Yeah, yep, yep. The people are just agreeing and affirming. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yep, a lot of affirmations. I'm wondering if there's any questions in here. Yep, yep. Bro, we're that not was, getting attacked. That was a lot of affirmations. <laughs> wow, thank y'all. All right, so if there's no questions. What I would like to do, if it's cool with you, or I'm going to say goodbye here. Um, check him out. Bye. Follow him. And Tune into the podcast of the future. All right. We're going we're gonna to continue this with the game. And before we do, I did mention to Justin that I wanted to go down the COVID rabbit trail a little bit. I don't know yeah. how deep I want to go, but you said you caught it. I did. Yeah. Okay. And I believe I, I had all the symptoms before it was even a word. Right. Before it was a public word. Yeah. It was probably, like, I guess maybe it was a private word. I don't know. At one point, it might have been a trademark thing. I don't know, man. Well, anyway. all the coronaviruses are patented, so there's that. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. All right. I don't know how much I want to scratch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me press play on this game. This is the Breaking Normal game on the Breaking Normal app that some of y'all may have downloaded. I'm not even sure it's downloadable anymore. I was telling Justin I surrendered on it. Um, but if someone wants to help me restart this fire, I'm all in on I'm happy to do it. I'm just surrendered to me doing it only. Um, but right now the tribe vitamin product, product is real, real in my life. I'm stoked for that. All right, here we go. We'll play the game. Daniel, what qualities do you most admire in others? Speak it. Mm, all right. Well, the quality I most admire in others is probably – like being an investigative journalist, like the the character where they arrived on planet Earth in this alien body and that they're exploring out loud and they're authentically reporting what's working for them, not necessarily trying to fit into some sort of group or tribe or culture or company, but like really going all in on their heart's desires and then authentically reporting out loud in the best way possible for what happened for them. <laughs> I love it. That was a great answer, dude. Justin, what's your greatest gift? Embody it. Uh, my greatest gift is um, giving other people confidence. I was once called a confidence pill, and it was the greatest compliment I'd ever gotten. And it landed with me so hard because it was never being a lifelong musician or whatever. You do these things, or if you're an athlete or something, you get all these accolades, but they don't really land. You know, it's like, oh, you're amazing. I'm like, am I? I just played Miley Cyrus, you know? So, um, but that, yeah, if I can make people believe they can do more than they currently believe they can do, I think that's a gift. Daniel, where are you feeling the most in your body right now? Sing it. Oh, I'm probably feeling the most in my belly, my upper belly that connects to my heart. Probably through something like an epiglottis or something I learned in <laughs> Emory when I was so free to be me, which I still am. And I can do what I want, say what I am, be who you are. What am I talking about? There's the buzzard. Justin, what's the thing you've done today that you're the most proud of? Speak it. The thing I've done today that I'm most proud of is the, the jump in the creek today, man. We did some cold exposure, stayed in the creek. You taught me some really cool uh, breathwork stuff. So we did some breathwork, did some breath of fire, did um, some of your breathwork, and we were in there for like a good five minutes. So that's probably what I'm most proud of today, but it's a close, it's a close first. Cause the second is probably this podcast has been really fun. I've really enjoyed this. So I have to keep talking for five seconds. <laughs> Technically two, one. Okay. Daniel, if you had to take a cross country road trip with one person in this group, who would it be? And why embody it? 
All right. We made an agreement before the, this, the embodiment would be our choice. So I'll speak it out and I'll choose my the person sitting across from me. <laughs> you didn't choose your dog, bro. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's, I don't think my dog's a person. I don't <laughs> that's think true. So. True. Well, that's good. Arguable. Yeah, and I think that's because – why? Because that's pretty obvious <laughs> is my only option. <laughs> and I would pre- be pretty tempted to guess if you put me in a group of 100 people, random people, it would still be my best option. Ah, thank you, brother. Justin, if you had one wish, what would you wish for? Embody it. Okay, so what does embody mean again? Uh, whatever you want it to be. Speak it, sing it, mm. however you feel it. Oh, if I had one wish, let's see. Oh, man, this is so hard. One wish? <laughs> One wish. Uh, maybe I wish that we would teach kids uh, the art of self-actualization over meaningless information and memorization. That would be pretty good. Daniel, who do you look up to the most? Sing it. Who do I look up to the most? I would usually say my dad, because how much love he has for me being his son. A part of me wants to say myself, because that's the only thing I think I can look live up to. I'm not sure, though. It's such a hard question, Fred. <laughs> Did you say Fred? Yeah. <laughs> Justin, how does your heart feel right now? Embody it. I will speak it. Um, my heart feels very, very full. I was very pulled to come here, and the timing of it just ended up being fantastic. And now having met all the roommates and had these conversations and doing the creek today, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. So my heart is feeling very full and very, very grateful for this opportunity right now. Daniel, ask any question to Justin in 10 seconds or less. Perfect. I'm going to turn Fred off here and ask you about what in the heavens, like once again, the 30-level the elevator when you caught COVID, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, for some reason, uh, I, I've been single for a while now, and uh, I decided to, to explore dating apps during the <sighs> pandemic. All right, so that's how that happened, <laughs> and uh, I w- I can't figure it out. It was either my first or second date with this girl, and um, then she told let me know that she tested positive for COVID. So I went and tested, and I tested positive for COVID. But it was like a felt like in between a cold and a mild sinus infection, and that was really it. I was a little tired, you know. There was a lot of sinus congestion, like pressure behind my eyes. It was annoying. Um, but if I didn't know COVID was a thing, I would have just lived my life totally normal but instead like told my doctors about it and they're like you can't work out anymore and you need to lay on the couch and no more cold showers and no more sauna like we can't stress your body like i just feel like people are so overreacting to this thing it's not even funny wow your mind's pretty much the opposite because it happened before uh, it was it happened in december when it happened to me which was that you know i people at the time i told people i had the flu Mm. And I still don't know what I had. Yeah, yeah. But I, um, and I had never had the flu before this. Never. I thought, I never got the flu shot. I never had the flu. That's what my understanding was. And then I couldn't stop coughing. I couldn't even do my breath work for about two weeks. I couldn't stop coughing. Mm. And um, I got a big fever around the solstice, the winter solstice, a big fever, like really contemplating like life and like, and I, and I need help. I thought I wow. needed help. And I was like, is this the freaking flu? Like, what is this? Yeah. And then, like, my brother and his fiance actually came to help me. Wow. And um, then my brother got real sick. Oh, no. With very similar symptoms. Damn, dude. And then his fiance didn't get that sick. She got some sort of symptoms, but nothing that crazy. Yeah. That's the weird thing. <laughs> the girl I got it from had this crazy cough. And for me, it never went into nothing respiratory, and I never had a fever. When you say you tested positive, how did you test positive? Because this is where we could, like, open so many cans. Oh, yeah, man. I went to Vanderbilt in Nashville, and they put a cotton swab up my nose and both my nostrils, and then I just waited, like, 24 hours, and I had my results. Did anyone ever follow up with you after that? Oh, yeah, dude. 
ton of people. The Department of Health called. They asked for like my family members' names, their phone numbers. They were like, we need to talk to everyone that you've been in contact with. It was legit, dude. If you had a camera right now, you would see my like my <laughs> face, my jaw. I'm sitting. It was like the mask, yeah. my jaw hitting the floor. Really? <laughs> yes. Did oh, you? Yeah. Would you? Did you tell them anything? Like, what yeah. You? I mean, I talked to them because I, I had oh like I gosh. I had been exposed to her, and then me and my family are super close. So like that weekend, we were at my dad's lake house. We're on the, out on a boat together. Had a big family dinner and all this. So I was like, yeah, like my mom and my dad and my sister and my sister's girlfriend and blah blah blah. And they took like all their names and phone numbers. They called all of them. And then what did they tell them? The quarantine? Or yeah, something? they told them all and to quarantine they monitor, for fourteen days. And they monitor your. Well, they didn't. They don't monitor in any way. That's the big thing too. Is I, I think there's a lot of scary Big Brother shit going on here. And I'm like, and I want to tell people, I'm like, there's three hundred million of us documented, right, in the, in the states. How do you think they're going to monitor all of you? Like, and what are they going to do? You know, it's like I, they, they can't send a crew of 10 guys to every person's house. They'd need 3 billion people to do that. You know, it's like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I guess I, I heard this doctor on um, Instagram Live recently. And I don't know if the video is even available anymore, but he got the call because he was exposed to someone that mm. had COVID. Yeah. And, and he was like, I do know who you're talking about. We weren't really – it was I was not exposed to her, but she was in the same space. Yeah, and um, they asked him, "Well, now you need to quarantine for 14 days, and we're we're going to monitor. Like, you we're going to check in with you, and make sure you're doing that." And he was like, "No, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no." Well, and that's the thing is, it sounds so scary. I was talking to somebody from Canada today, actually, and um, they were like, "I wish I could come to the states." I was like, "You can come to the states. My friend from Canada is here in the states right now." And they're like, "What? Like, no, the government website says uh, we we." We there's a travel advisory like you shouldn't travel right now. That doesn't mean you can't. You can go well, to the airport. I, I wonder about that because I thought the borders were literally not available to cross. They are for us. This is the crazy thing about COVID. <laughs> okay. Is like the U.S. U.S. citizens are restricted from like everywhere right now, but like Canadian citizens, they can come and go as they please. But not the U.K. Apparently, right? Because can the U.K. come here? No, I don't can think we go so. to the U.K.? I think we can go. To- Maybe, maybe I, the I UK. trust so because that's Deanna, my baby mama's plans are to oh. go to the UK. I'm like, does she know this? Well, see, there, I, there's <laughs> random countries. Like, I know I can go to Croatia right now. I can go to Thailand right now. Like, there's certain countries we can go to. It's very kind of hit or miss. What a crazy thing. I, I that con- that concerns me though that they're tra- that they um that part concerned me when I found oh, out me too. like when now, now I used to think like when people want to like people like are you gonna get tested for antibodies and I was like. I was thinking about it, but I'm like, I don't know. I've heard like, but I heard that people they stick something in your nose. I, I don't think that'd be for the antibody test, but when they do the COVID test, I think the I antibody like, whoa, whoa, test you're sticking is a blood something. Test. What in my nose? Like, who's yeah. sticking what in my nose? Yeah. Do they know how to stick that? And then I just saw today. I think I saw some crazy news story about some brain got injured during a COVID test. <laughs> I know. I think I saw that this morning. Oh my god. On some sort of news feed, and I'm like, whoa. And uh, but man, not to make fun of the person that may have happened to. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is a, I got concerned i'm yeah. concerned about that and then the fact that they're just like even attempted monitoring and control of like keeping people isolated mm-hmm. um, and the mask is a lot there's so much there's so much i know yeah it's tough man the, oh, the I, mask thing. i noticed my jaw gets tight when i start talking yeah like, where to begin or end with that conversation it's hard because it's the same thing as like people say scientific studies show red meat causes cancer right so I used to go on my podcast, and I was like, if anyone can bring me any randomized control trial that proves causality between red meat and anything bad, I will give you my house. I will sign my house over to you. It will be yours. No one has done this yet because everyone just says, the science says, the science says, the science says. The science of masks is actually like irrefutably decided, and they don't work. So it's like, I mean, there are randomized control trials proving this from 14 different hospitals. So why is this continuing? Why do you, I just curious from your perspective. It has to be ulterior motives. So this is something, this won't go down, like we won't go down the conspiracy theories of like politics and all this stuff, but there's a book called The Sovereign Individual. And this is the, Peter Thiel cites this as his inspiration for starting PayPal. The Sovereign Individual talks about how to basically remove yourself and your personal finances from any government entity. This was in 1999, and he speaks about how the two-party government has been obsolete since the creation of the microchip processor, right? We don't need this two-party system. We don't need to pay the kind of taxes that we do. We don't need to do any of this. So this is a last-ditch effort of this government holding on. This is what I think is happening. So in the book, he spells it out. He's like, when the government is about to fail and people are realizing we don't need to live this way, there will likely be some kind of global event 
probably a global pandemic. That global pandemic will shut the economy down. And then once the economy is shut down and begins to reopen, there will likely be um, protests and riots that will divide the country worse than it's ever been. And it's basically all these events are trying to convince us that we need our government desperately. We don't need our government. I don't think so at all. I'm like a full-blown libertarian, um, but that's just me. Well, in that case, <laughs> I guess if people want to learn more about you and that and whatever else we talked about, what's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, I'm on all the socials, primarily Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube is all at The Clovis Culture. And then what about the music on YouTube? Is that the same as well? Yeah, no. Uh, for the music, just Google my name, just Justin Nolt. So I'm still at the point where the, the health and wellness stuff is so new that if you Google my name, Justin Nolt, it's going to be all music. Okay. So I would recommend YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com slash Justin Nolt. And I got a ton of music videos, and a lot of them are comedy because I love comedy. So enjoy. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the first guest on the this official Breaking Normal podcast was J.P. Sears, if you're familiar with yeah, him. Yeah, he's great. He's a funny one. He's very outspoken about COVID. Go I, watch his stuff. Oh, yeah. We're good friends. And uh, he's an expert, which I really – why I believe in comedy as well. It's like sometimes the capsule that – you know, if we're talking about the supplement of truth. Yeah. It seems like the best capsule for people's comedy. Absolutely, man. It's like the easiest way to swallow the pill of truth, and JP's a freaking expert at that. So. He's a monster, man. He's so good at what he does. Well, thank you for being so good at what you do. I, w I almost wish there was like a piano show or something we could do here in Boulder <laughs> while you're here, but I don't know if that's your priority. I mean, I would do it. I'd be happy to. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. I love playing, I know some, we'll, see, we'll see if we can pull some strings. Deal, deal. <laughs> All right. All right. Keep breaking normal, y'all.